Something silently glides through the night sky. Triangle, circular, rectangle, large, hovering. No sound. But you're positive that what you're seeing is no aircraft you've ever seen before. No aircraft you've even seen talked about on television or any of the science channel programs about all of our secret government airfare. No, what we've got here is something different. And this is something that's being witnessed worldwide. And not just by hillbillies running a still out in some strange little part of Kentucky or Arkansas. No, it's being seen by people worldwide from every walk of life, religion, color, creed, belief system. And now the government is finally taking the claims of UFOs and UAPs seriously. They're investigating claims and searching for life outside our planet and solar system. But are they ready to deal with and discuss alien abductions? There are tens of thousands of people that claim openly that they've had an abduction or multiple. Some tales so frightening the experiencers are left traumatized for life. Some tales of light, love, and possibilities. Either way, how is this happening? And more disturbingly, is it happening with the blessings of our own governments in a way to appease the visitors and keep them from more dramatic measures? Joining me to discuss UFOs and alien encounters is actor, researcher, and experiencer Brian Dottillo. Then later in the hour, Andrew Wheatley joins in to discuss some of the common beliefs about UFO visitations and gives us some more solid science on how some of these theories just don't seem to add up. So close and lock the doors and windows, draw the blinds, and open your minds as we venture into an uncomfortable territory here on the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm not gonna stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Good evening, my little darklings, and thank you for joining us here tonight. We've got an interesting evening lined up for us. Joining me right now, we are lucky to have Brian Dottillo. He grew up in a haunted house in Beverly Hills, California, where he experienced haunting paranormal activities and psychic phenomena. His mother, a reporter and then an editor for the National Enquirer, encouraged him to read up on the subject, would, would help ease his anxieties about what he'd been dealing with. Then, in 1993, in his first time living on his own, Dottillo had a profound experience that forever changed his life. Determined to understand the truth, he spent years diving into dozens of books, watching documentaries, and listening to personal accounts of UFO sightings and abductions from all over the world. Now, in a series of podcasts, Brian Dottillo interviews top experts and other abductees who detail all things paranormal and concentrates on the conspiracy to cover up what is still unknown about visitors from other planets. He is joining us now, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show, Brian Dottillo. Brian, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dave. You're the man. 
This is uh, this is fascinating, right? Well, first of all, it, fellow Illinois, and I see you were born in Kankakee, in uh, Medina, Roselle, Illinois area, and yeah. It's amazing how many of the people in our field that are interested in the supernatural come from Illinois originally. I yeah, I don't know. Through thread. <laughs> it might be a target landing spot for certain people that are meant to to chime in on it and go through. Yeah, something. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I listen, I've got to start off because if I don't address the elephant in the room right off, everybody's going to be like, wait, you just kind of skimmed over the fact his mom <laughs> was with the National Enquirer, Dave. Come on, that magazine, not known for hard-hitting journalism or real stories. But there was a lot of real stuff interwoven through the fantasy and, and strange tales that back then we all raised an eyebrow about, but today would probably be considered mainstream, right? Normal stuff. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. The, the crazy thing is, you know, they, they did have a, a head UFOologist named Bob Pratt who was a very, very, um, he was a skeptic, but he was a really good researcher. And he followed a lot of UFO cases all over um, Brazil and Argentina and he uh, Mexico. And and he was a legit guy who had legit contacts. You know, J. Allen Hynek was his friend and was on the blue ribbon panel for the Inquirer to, uh, they offered a million dollars for proof of UFOs and life on other planets. And you know, they had, you know, a couple of people get close. I don't think they ever gave away the million. I don't think that uh, uh, Generosity Pope was the owner at the time. I don't think he wanted to part with that. <laughs> but he was an interesting man himself, you know, as a former FBI guy. So, uh, or CIA. I forgot which one it was, but I know he had strong links and, and strong ties to curiosity of, of life on other planets and, and UFOs. So, yeah, the magazine definitely had some crazy head titles. Some headlines were a little out there. Um, Elvis was never abducted by aliens, I don't think, but it might be possible. Uh, but again, on the legit end, Bob Pratt did a lot of good things for the magazine and was a legit researcher. So who eventually mm -hmm. came around, as, as J. Allen Hynek did, to believe eventually. All right. Now that we've kind of covered that, I just want people to realize all your beliefs are not substantiated on what was printed in the Inquirer growing up. Although, no, what an no, interesting, uh, what an interesting thing to have around you because that your mom being open to that, and obviously working for a magazine that was opening to uh, expanding our horizons and keeping us from limiting our views to just what we're being fed on ABC, NBC, CBS, National, uh, you know, Geographic, People Magazine. We went out there. And I can't think of anybody, Brian, anybody that from the 60s to the 90s weren't part of the Inquirer generation, right? We all, no matter how much we rolled our eyes and laughed about it, people were reading them. And yeah. my mom had yeah. collections of the Inquirer and the Star and all of this because of the fascination of let's take our minds away from the, the politics of today and finances and, and all of this. And let's just wonder what if. And yeah. those those magazines were fantastic fodder for just that. Yeah. Do you think that because of that openness and, and putting that around you that um, that allowed you to be an open person that would experience paranormal or supernatural maybe a little bit more openly than than other people would? I don't know. I don't know if it's ever linked to a specific place or a person that is sensitive to the place, maybe the combination of the two. Um, I know that. You know, in my house growing up, there was a lot of past life regression sessions. You know, the cast of eight is enough would come over and be past life regressed in my living room. 
and they would go through lifetimes and different voices and their psychics, you know, this guy, Alan Houghton would run the session and it was just normal. And to have things fly off the wall and to see ghosts, you know, floating down the hallway and to know that my closet was a portal and dealing with these voices and these lights that you can't explain and these orbs, it was, it was all, it was all overwhelming, but yet happening. So I don't know if it was me that was, you know, sensitive to it. I just know that it, at that time in that place, it was, it was extremely active. Um, and more so at any other point in my life in, until I had my, my uh, thing in 93, which was a whole different ball game from ghosts and stuff, but just as scary, just as real, just as uh, life-changing. Well, let's, let's, uh, kind of unpack that a little bit. I don't want to skip over your hauntings, but getting especially to what happened to you in 93, I then want to kind of, once we've talked a little bit about that, I'd like to go back and revisit what happened to you growing up in this haunted home uh, to see if there is more of a correlation than maybe we give credit for. Uh, 93, you're out on your own and you have something that alters your perception of reality and, and paradigm, right? This is, this is it. Would you mind walking us through that? I was familiar with the UFO phenomenon prior to 93. My mom, mm-hmm. with her research with Whitley Schreiber and transformation and all the majestic and all the books that she had laying around, I w- would ask about them. She would tell me, you know, it, it, it's about maybe these beings from a different world who either have the technology to come in and out of our world or are just from other planets and come in, at, in and out of our world. Um, was always a kind of a possibility and a, and, a, and a thing that I was researching and into. But until I got on my own in 93, I was just getting a good night's sleep before work one day. And I was asleep uh, no more than two or three minutes. I didn't have enough time to be totally asleep. And a lot of people right. say, well, that's sleep paralysis. Well, no, because sleep paralysis only lasts in certain time intervals, like three to five minutes. You don't go in sleep paralysis for six to eight hours. It's just right. not, it's not recognized by doctors as being sleep paralysis at that point. So when this thing happened to me and I, and I was, I was, I was witnessing what looked to be these beings outside of my window and I could see them clearly. They were different sizes and I had a saltwater fish tank against this window. And I remember thinking it's kind of hard to stand where they were standing because there was a parking garage straight down about 15 feet. There was no sidewalk for you to stand in outside of that window area. You Mm -hmm. know, it dropped down to quite a bit of a drop. And I remember thinking they must be floating because they're standing, they're standing right outside my window. And eventually these, these beings who were different sizes come through the window through my fish tank, like a ghost would, almost translucent. And then when they got into my room, they became physical. They became solid. So I saw them go through my window, through my fish tank, and then become solid in the room with me. But I could not get up. I could not leave the room. I just remember being a witness to it because I could not move my body. I was kind of in my own head narrating to myself what was going on. As they approached my bed, there were different sizes. The smaller one came up to the right side of my bed and guided me out of my bed. He was wearing a hoodie, which I know sounds crazy, but he was wearing a legit hoodie. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, you're not hiding from me. I, I know who you guys are and you don't need the hoodie. You're not fooling anybody with the hoodie. 
they guide me out of my bed, which was against a wall that was kind of tight. And um, I remember actually kind of working my way past the wall until I could make a right to my side door, which led out to the side entrance of my apartment building. They walked. Okay. And, and at that point, that was all I had remembered other than being on the ship and running into these hybrid beings. Um, but through hypnosis, through my session with Yvonne Smith, I learned that they actually walked me outside of the, the side of my apartment building and took me outside. And when they took me outside, I thought they were looking at what was a street light, but it wasn't because the light had gotten bigger. It expanded. And once I, and this was all through hypnosis that I remember now, um, that I didn't remember at first, this part was getting mm -hmm. hit by this, this, uh, this beam and being in this static cloud is the only way I could describe it. And it sounded like, like popping noises. And the people that were escorting me were in this cloud with me. We get mm -hmm. to what was this bottom layer of what would be a ship. I, I could only assume. And I remember a lot of electrical equipment. I remember a lot of cables. I remember in certain spots on the ground, there was water where there shouldn't be around electrical. And I remember thinking that's a bad combination. You, you got to watch the electrical <laughs> around the water, guys. And then I, and the smell was horrible on that level. It was a horrible mildew, humidified, stenchy kind of smell. And then when I went to this other area, it was a medical area. And that area had a table and I was to lay on it. And again, I can only narrate what was happening to me. I could not stop anything from happening to me. I couldn't control my body. As my body moved, I remember thinking, why are they putting me on this table? What, what is this guy doing to the side of my head? You know, there's a guy who looks like a doctor who's actually in a, in a, in a, in a doctor's outfit. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 you know, a lab coat and everything. Yeah, yeah. A lab coat. And, and he was doing something to my head while the other ones were doing something to my genital area. And I, did, I was not happy with either because the pain in my head was great. And taking my sperm really, I found to be not only intrusive and, and, and violating, but extremely upsetting. And, and I felt mm -hmm. weak and vulnerable in a way I've never felt before. So after that, I remember through hypnosis that I was taking, and then this part I actually remember outside of hypnosis, where I was taken to this area where I was seated. And when I was sitting down, the bench was a form of the ground. It wasn't a freestanding bench. It was one mold with the ground. And the table was the same way. So there was no moving. It was there, part of the floor in a way, which I thought was weird at the time. And I remember sitting with other humans at this point around these tables and there being multiple tables. And I remember thinking the person next to me is in a, is in a, is in a trance. They're in a state of something because I can hear myself talk and they're just looking straight down at the ground. They're, something must be wrong with them. They're in some kind of suspended state, but yet I could have been in the exact same state, but only talking in my own head because I wasn't moving without control of my own body. Now, did you recognize anybody that was in this waiting room with you? No, no. Okay. But I knew they were human, and I knew that they okay. were in a sub, uh, in some kind of state. Some now, the doctor that was was talking to you, that was or not talking to you, but was examining you, um, human, or could you tell there was something off, uh, or was it straight up alien? He was a straight up gray, straight okay. up gray. Um, 
but he was, it seemed like he had more power over the ones who were controlling the other end of me. It seemed like he was the boss, not only because he was dressed differently, but he was a little bit different in his head size. He looked a bit different. Um, the people, the aliens, I'm sorry, that came in while I was waiting at this table were taller and they were escorting these kids with them, almost encouraging the kids to walk toward me. And there were three kids escorted by these taller aliens, taller than the doctor, taller than the workers that took me from my, these are all different alien sizes. The, the ones mm -hmm. that took me out of my bed were a different size. The ones that took me, that the doctor looked a bit different. The ones that came in with the hybrid children were a bit taller and different. So I was, I'm looking at like three different forms of aliens at this point. Are um, they communicating in any way to you or is it just silence? You're in your own head. I'm in my own head, but when they escort these kids in, I, I can under, I can, we're not talking, but it's telepathic, but you get emotions. And there's so many words you connect with your emotions that when you get plugged in with these emotions, you start to put together so many things quick. Right. It's almost like rapid fire of, of these realizations. So when these kids were coming towards me, that's what I was having was they wanted to be near me. They wanted to have, they, they had humanity in them. They were human in some form but they were different looking. They were a bit stockier. Their muscle tone was too much for their age because there was three toddlers. There was one that was about three years old, one that was about five years old, and one that was about seven years old. So one, you know, at different stages, I have two kids and there's a big difference between those couple of years at that time, you know, and one could barely walk that wanted to sit on my lap. One was seated on my other lap a little bit bigger. And then there was one standing like didn't need to sit on my lap because it might've been a little too big to sit on my lap too at different ages. And they were, they were, their heads were different. The skull came outside the ears. The eyes were straight black. There was no white to the eyes at all, but yet they seemed to be somewhat human. And, and the thought I got was they were lonely, confused, wanting to be accepted by me, wanting to love me, wanting to be near me and wanting me to accept them. But for some reason, when I was putting all this together so quick, I became defensive and I became to where I didn't want to hold or touch any of them because I knew that they weren't fully human. And then at that, that point, the taller aliens took over and I like to call it, they zap you. They just zap me. They put me... I couldn't even think in my own head anymore. I, it, the, the, it, it just goes black at that point. And the next thing I know, I'm getting put through this tube tight area, sent down this thing, sent down through hypnosis, realized this later. I was sent down through a, a similar beam, um, put back in my bed and woke up with my my underwear at my ankles and I was in a pouring sweat. But what seemed to be about 25 minutes of a dream was eight hours because it was 6.40 in the morning the next morning. And I had gone to bed at 9.38. So this 20 minute episode that happened so quick, um, what, what I remember as being a 20 minute episode, but after hypnosis maybe, it had to be a little longer, evidently. Right, um, yeah. 
but the loss of time didn't match the memory I had. It, and then to wake up fully drenched, fully wet, like I had been swimming. And then my my underwear on my ankles. And then to have all these thoughts uh, and, and, and trying to piece together, what, what do I remember? What can't I remember? It was so overwhelming that I, I decided to pick up the phone and call my mom because I knew she'd kind of understand about this. So I did. And when, when I called her, and I, and I didn't touch on this a lot on the podcast, uh, I, I think I did later. Um, she said, Brian, don't tell me anything about the dream you had. I want to tell you about the dream I had last night. I said, no, no, mom, you're never going to believe the dream I had last night. No, Brian, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be influenced by what you have to say. You came to me in a dream last night and you tried to knock on my door and you wanted to come in, but I didn't let you in. You had a baby with you with all black eyes that I knew was not fully human. So I told you, you could not come into my house because you had this baby with you. And I said, no. I saw these black-eyed hybrid babies, too, and this is the dream I had. Not only this is what happened before, I remember they came through my room. So after that, it just – and it took me years to process what had happened. It took me years to – to because you push it aside and you say, no, it's not possible. That didn't happen. No, it, it happened. I, I know for a fact it happened. No, it had to be something else. Sleep apnea. It had to be me dreaming. It had to be me being influenced by maybe a movie. No, no. It was the sequence of events. What happened was too hard to create. It was happening to me. I wasn't designing it like you would in a dream. It, it's right. totally different. And I and the la the loss of time also is is a thing that I still I still can't get over how they do that. How they take you out and put you back. I, I don't know. All right. A lot to unpack, lot to unpack. And yeah. I want to, so first of all, the children, now that you've had time to absorb this theory and, and, and your experiences, um, are those your hybrid children? Do you think? For, for a fact, which also tells me that yes, I was abducted prior because their mm -hmm. age range. It tells me that, you know, it, this is just the one time that Whatever they were doing to my head didn't quite work. It didn't quite zap out the memory it was supposed to zap out. I hung on to some of it. And maybe in the past, they got me to where I couldn't remember. I don't know what they're doing to your head. I maybe know I the children making that connection with you is what kept that part of your mind open that allowed that memory to stay. Because obviously, being a father myself, you're a father, you you make connections with your children that supersede anything else, right? That's how so many parents can be miles away and know something's wrong with their children. So them coming to you, sitting on that lap, having that empathetic moment of realization probably puts you into that mindset that that was something that wasn't just going to fade away like a memory. Yeah. And that's why under, under the, in the podcast, you know, when I, when I'm under the, the hypno, the hypno session, um, yeah, I got very emotional because I felt like I let them down in that way, as you would, you know, um, as you would your own kids, like you said. So and that's where the guilt came. That's where that's where the guilt came. That's where the the regret came after years later. Mm -hmm. You know, when you put that together and you re it sinks in that maybe they needed me. Maybe they would still be if I was a little bit more receptive, maybe I would have more contact. Maybe it would have happened more than after that, because as far as I know, that was the last time. So for me, 
there is there is guilt there. There is there is regret, and it is hard because you think if is that a part of me somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Is it on a different planet? Is it on a different time? Is is this all been okayed by the government so the aliens have access to us in this way, just in exchange for technology? How many deals have been made? How many aliens do this to us? Is it the government also benefiting in some way? I know that they must be allowing it because they have to be privy to it. I mean, well, so- here's a question that w- we really need to pose. Are they allowing it or are they accepting of it because they can't stop it? You know, there, there's that point when you make negotiations with the devil where you're like, we can't, obviously we can't shoot these things down. We can't effectively stop what they're doing. Let's try to work in a simpatico way with them so that we feel like we have some control. Um, because if they're traversing the universe or dimensions, multiverse, whatever we want to call it, to get to where we're at, is there a possibility then that uh, they really need anything we've got other than our genetic makeup? Is there something they need to help in their next evolutionary catapult? Um, I, I, it might be connected to us as, as soulful beings ourselves, because when we die, we, we also make that progression outside this dimension. Mm-hmm. So or at least that's what I believe. So uh, maybe, maybe they're infatuated with that and trying to figure out the link in that because they understand so much and maybe some things are not meant to be totally understood and they're kind of stuck at that point. I don't know. Now, how far back did you go in your past life regression or, or hypnotic regression, I should say, um, for this case? Did you keep it to this one moment, this one memory, or have you allowed yourself to go back to childhood to see if there were more? Well, Yvonne, Yvonne went to a specific time and a different, she kept, it's weird how they get you into it. She's, it's so amazing how you go through levels of your consciousness through just breathing and someone guiding you. And then you drop into a layer you've never been. And then you drop further and then further and you get heavier and heavier. And you, you start to feel like you're not even in your body when you're in that state. Mm -hmm. And, and it was, that was the most interesting thing about hypnosis was I didn't, it was almost like I had access to part of me I never had access to before. Mm-hmm. But but the way she guided me, and it took a lot longer that was on the podcast too, because you have to edit it down. You know, you don't have right. three hours of trying to get sunken under. But once you were under, you were under. And I and I and and I remember just having the the realizations of oh, this is what happened after they took me out of my bed. Oh, this is where they took me. I knew that they put me on that table, but I didn't see that guy before. So it was interesting to put pieces together. How did I get, what happened to me before I went into the waiting room to see these beings? Um, How did I get back? Did they just zap me back? What happened after that guy blacked me out when I was freaking out fighting them? So yeah, it was, it was really, it was, it was so, it was like you were watching it happen as it happened. Mm -hmm. The reason I ask was, more out of curiosity of the fact that you had paranormal experiences growing up, ghostly experiences. Um, there are a lot of people that equate uh, ghosts or demonic entities with alien. Uh, there have been people that have seen aliens in their room that they have called upon the name of Jesus and the aliens have left. It's an interesting scenario, right? What exactly are we dealing with? Do you Do you think now kind of having the overview of being an adult looking back, do you think that maybe some of those ghostly moments 
maybe attributed more to the alien interaction you seem to have been having all your life. Your brain was trying to make more sense of it with what you were experiencing at that time. Absolutely. And Yvonne Smith actually said that. She said, I would I would pinpoint about half of your ghost encounters and the lights you were describing and your what you were hearing and to to a, a different, you know, other than ghosts, it would probably be from right. another world in another dimension. Um, it's it's always been hard to deal with because you feel it in the pit of your stomach when things aren't right. And and when you're alone mm-hmm. and it happens to you, it's 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 overwhelming. Um, it's hard to say you know what's happening when you don't totally know. Um, it's tough. It's made me realize because yes, I've had used, I've had, I've used the word of God to protect me myself just Mm -hmm. by saying, and I know there's controversy behind it, but this is what I say that I believe that has gotten when I'm forced with that negative energy that I have been forced with just saying that Jesus is the son of God to, or the name Jesus itself seems to have some kind of jurisdictional province over them too. So maybe, you know, does that make, you know, what's interesting is right. Okay. If we, if we take away the dogmatic aspect of Jesus and God, right. And understand listeners and and, and viewers, I'm not in any way dissuading you from believing in religion. I've told you multiple times I'm Christian and I've used uh, and evoked Christ's name when in these situations myself with prayer, but there is this theory that our planet was germinated from an outside source, another alien race perhaps. What if Jesus is one of those four founders, right? One of the fathers of this planet, the God sense. And that's why when we do call it out, it lets that alien know, oh, one of theirs, we better leave this one alone. And he's aware, right? There's this this uh, moral or strange connection for them that they're like, <laughs> Oh, he's calling on the big guys. Let's yeah. get out of here. We know who owns them, right? <laughs> right. It's it's the truth, though. It really is. And maybe it's a way of tying in both because, you know, there's truth in everything. You just got to weigh it out and see where it is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think 100%. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because it's worked for me a, new, a couple of times. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, Maybe it, it comes with the consciousness, the understanding, the higher elevation up the pyramid of consciousness through a lot of different religions have their focal point person or soul that achieves that. You know, you get into Buddha, you get into um, there. There are other higher forms um, maybe that are collectively on the same level that have achieved the same level as Jesus, but being also the structure of heaven being legitimate. And, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up, my mom was a Catholic teacher, uh, Catholic school teacher. So, you know, that I, I believe in the structure of heaven as well as these, these beings. There are too many worlds that we exist in just in the third dimension alone with all of our solar systems and our galaxies and our universes and our million. There's, we cannot be the only ones. It's just right. not, it's mathematically impossible according to the Drake theory. So we can't even, can't even look at that. So yes, there is life on other planets. Does it have access to other dimensions? I think so. I think they have the technology enough to do that. The technology might run out, you know, when you're dealing with souls and then you get into religion, you get into higher consciousness and then you become more than they are. You jump their dimension of technology Mm -hmm. and reign, you know, maybe the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, and you get into the, you know, however many 13 there are, there are, different opinions, how many dimensions, 
Um, but I tend to think that it's more like the pyramid where there's levels of, of only certain space that people can occupy without, um, you know, you can't bring negativity to certain, certain planes. I don't think. I, I picking up what you're putting down brother. And it's, it's fascinating. And I, I will tell you, we've got another guest who's going to join us in a few moments to talk about some different elements of some of the claims that have been made regarding UFO sightings and, and the possibility of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know listeners and viewers right now are going, no, we're not done with Brian. We've got more questions. I understand. Brian's agreed to actually hang in. He's going to have this conversation with me and our next guest, Andrew Wheatley, yep. uh, as we discuss this, but I get a sense, Brian, you and I are going to have to talk more, especially because you're still having experiences. You're photographing alien craft or lights, uh, <laughs> strange activity over your property. So there's there's a lot more you and I need to do to unpack this. Plus, yeah. uh, you know, before I go to the quick break, I do want to throw one thing out, with something that you said that really resonated with me in an interesting way. And I, I think I've only spoken about this once in 17 years of broadcasting. Um, when you talked about the violation feeling of of uh, having your sperm taken from you, uh, I, I always hold off on talking about this aspect so much, simply because I, you know, I have eleven children on this planet, uh, you know, and, and and I'm already prolific enough. But I guess that would make me a, a prime candidate for seeding others. Um, but I, I remember, I remember very correctly, or not correctly, but I remember very distinctly uh, waking up at about the age of seventeen. And something was in my room uh, taking a sample. And I could not see it. I could feel the motion. I was on my back, which I rarely sleep on. Uh, I'm a side and stomach sleeper and always have been. But uh, there was definitely something uh, doing that. And I remember having the moment and a bright flashlight and then just waking up the next morning. And I always thought that was weird. What did I just have a wet dream? Was that just what happened? But I remember, I mean, I could see my room. I could see the elements of my room. Something, and I always felt violated. I'm like, I, you know, I've, I've obviously I'm a boy. I've had wet dreams before. I've never felt violated after the fact. This was something different. So it's interesting yeah. that you you bring that element up. And as I said, I know it's easy to cast dispersions and roll eyes, folks. Trust me, even as an experiencer who's had these moments. You, you sit back and on your heels and question, but when, when you have somebody else who drops that kind of nugget on you, you can, and you realize that correlation, there's something very unusual going on around us. Um, let's do this. I want to make sure people know we've, we've touched upon it. You have a, a podcast conspiracies Inc. Yep. And um, I'm going to give people a chance to uh, see a little bit of that. And then we're going to go to a commercial break. We'll come back. Andrew Wheatley, our guest, when we return right here on the paranormal 60. <laughs> Security scan, please stand by. Scanning, do not move. Security scan successful. You now have full access to all files. Welcome to Conspiracies, Inc. With your host, Brian Dottillo. Do you believe? I'm Brian Dottillo, and I am the host of Conspiracies, Inc. Now, why would a guy like me do a podcast like this? It's a great question, and I'll tell you. Ever since I was little, a little teeny little little bitty Brian, I've had personal paranormal experiences that would send the average person into a fetal position, and they'd be screaming for their mom, which is exactly what I did. But 
Fortunately or unfortunately for me, my mother was the first female editor for the National Enquirer. So there was really nothing I could tell her that she hadn't already heard as far as paranormal activity from the National Enquirer. So she would give me advice and tell me to read a lot. And she would say, Brian, you need to investigate what's happening to you. You have a gift. You do have dreams that come true. You do see ghosts. You are a sensitive person, but you need to read up on it to understand how other people deal with it and to understand other situations. Fast forward to 1993, I had just moved out of my house and I'm in Culver City, minding my own business, sleeping, and I see these gray aliens come through my window. And I'm going to stop there because the rest is for the podcast, but I was abducted by gray aliens. And I know it sounds like I've been hitting this joint too hard, but there's no joint here. It's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. And I remember about 30 to 40% of what happened to me. So... To get to the bottom of that, to tap into my subconscious and, and to find out what really happened, I will be putting myself under hypnosis. With the help of a professional who's done hundreds of cases like this, I will be regressed to remember what I can't remember. And then the second half of our show, Conspiracy Inc., the alien controversy, the alien conspiracy, will have to do with the last hundred years, the involvement with the U.S. to the gray aliens. Now, it's been a hundred years since our government has known about it. So the conspiracy is that they need to tell us we're intelligent enough to handle it and we can handle the truth. I will be having the top abduction cases being profiled on this podcast. I will also go into the top sightings in the last hundred years. And I'll have experts in all fields to explain these events that are recorded throughout history. I will also have the people that were directly involved. So when I have an abduction case, I will have that person here that was abducted. When I have um, any other a sightings case, I will have proof of those sightings. So much proof that I guarantee by the end of this podcast, you will believe what I believe. You will see what I see. And you'll understand what I understand in regards to multi-dimensions, ghosts, afterlife, aliens. They all operate on the same planes. So join me for an amazing first season of Conspiracies, Inc. The alien controversy, the alien conspiracy will be uncovered. Join me and I guarantee when you're done with this show, you'll think like I think and you'll know what I know. Tune in. We will be right back when we're joined by a Navy vet and nuclear plant worker, Andrew Wheatley, to talk the science behind some common misconceptions for alien visits right here on the best in paranormal podcasting. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores, passing those sweet, sweet savings directly to you, my darklings. It has been such a good change for me. I've saved so much money in switching over to Mint Mobile with all of my family and so many people bleeding me dry. 
I was so happy to find some relief, and Mint Mobile has been that relief valve. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. So say bye-bye to overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages, and say hello to relief. Thank you, Mint Mobile, to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash p60. That's mintmobile.com slash p60. Cut your wireless bills to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash p60. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, it's Chris Jericho here just reminding you about the four-leaf clover. Chris Jericho's rock and wrestling rager at sea, the fourth voyage, leaving February 2nd. From Miami to Great Stirrup Key, our very own private island. This is going to be the biggest and best Jericho cruise ever with the biggest lineup, the most fun. I guarantee it. Come join us for the vacation and the party of a lifetime. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Cabin's still available. I want to see you there. Remember, not only can you find me on the upcoming Jericho Cruise, and you can get information on our website at darknessevents.com. I'm going back behind bars. Old Joliet State Prison is calling my name May 5th and 6th, and I'm bringing along hashtag poor Shane. Shane Pittman will be joining me from 28 Days Haunted and the Holzer Files. We will be going back. We visited last year, had an amazing time. And I got to tell you, this is a location that lives up to the reputation. It is haunted, and the spirits want to speak. So make sure that you come on out, hang out with us. We have just a few left of the VIP two-night tickets, or you can come Friday or Saturday. Single-day tickets are still available. We'd love for you to be out there and spend some time with us. It's going to be an amazing time. All right. uh, Tonight, we are talking about aliens, facts, and fiction. Brian Dottillo, our guest. We have another guest joining us in a few moments. Brian, I love this. I get an email. One day, uh, Dave, I was watching Ghost Adventures about the Stardust Ranch, and on it, there's a recording of you stating that there's a link between nuclear power plants and UFO sightings, with the assumption that they are leaching off the energy from them. I don't see how that can be, and it goes on to explain a little bit about why. Uh, he also brings up some really fascinating concepts and and thoughts that I wanted to tackle on today's show, and I'm, I'm thankful you're going to hang in with me uh to to deal with this and, and talk with our next guest andrew wheatley welcome to the show andrew can you hear me all right andrew's on he must be having connectivity issues uh we will let him know off air that uh that he is doing that um brian with the, the amount of people that you've been able to speak to and uh talk to regarding this phenomena um do you find startling comparisons between your experiences and others? Or is there a wide variance of the type of abductions? And and I don't always want to say abductions because that gives a, a nefarious aspect to it. There are a lot of people that really like the moments that they have with these uh, aliens, with the visitors. Even Whitley Strieber has changed radically from his initial position that these things uh, violated him. They raped him. They they are horrible to now they're friends. They're, and I don't know if that's Stockholm syndrome that's set in after all these years or what, but what's your, what's your thought on that? 
It's it's tricky because, you know, the cases I've investigated in my research, you know, you take Billy Meyer in the 60s and he had all these great sightings of these UFO ships and these pictures and all these great tales from the Palladians on how how spiritual and how they don't want us to fight and all these great things you'd want to hear from aliens. So right. what, what, what happened to me, I was kind of upset. Like I get the aliens that that do this to you and maybe they get the aliens that do that to them. So there are so many different kind of aliens that, that you have to wrap your head around that, you know, even that we've run into, um, you know, yes, we have the grays that a lot of people think of being the standard, but there are the Palladians who tend to look more like us who are slightly different in their eye structure, different things and are translucent, you know, beings, but are, are humanoid in the same way we are. Then you have the reptilians that are a totally different kind of alien doing a totally different thing. You don't know if they're in bed with the greys or not. And then there are so many others, the Zetas and the Betas and all the other things. So I, I just think there's so many different kind of aliens and then so many different kind of abductions too, because maybe some of these abductions are, not only with the approval of the government, but instigated by the government. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, there was a great guy on my show, David Shorter, who's a UCLA professor, who said, you know, what you're seeing, Brian, are government ships in the air, not UFOs. So the angle that you could take from abductions to sightings, there's so many different ways of looking at it, but it's happening either way. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot to grasp. It's a lot to cover. So like sands through the hourglass, Brian, these are <laughs> our alien days of our lives. Um, yes, if you recognize Brian, you know this is Lucas that we're chatting with. Uh, and I do think it's great. I have this guest that's going to join us in a moment. All this great knowledge and background with the Navy and working at a nuclear facility. And he's like, wait a minute, am I doing an episode with Lucas from days? And I'm like, yes, you are. So very cool. Uh, he seems that's to awesome. have been able to reconnect. Let's get him back on. Andrew, welcome back. Thanks for being on with us. Hey, yeah. So uh, I had to get off my laptop and I'm on my phone right now. So I hear you moving around a little bit. <laughs> I hear yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Pull, pull your mic back just a bit. You're coming in hot and frosty on us. Uh, okay. What about now? That seems better. Yeah. You're not, you're not hissing and popping at us like a pissed off Palladian. Um, listen, I love the fact that you watched Ghost Adventures, uh, Stardust Ranch. You had a, a, a concept you wanted to share. And you reached out um, to talk to me about this. Now, as I've stated, and we've stated on the show, and I've, I've had other uh, quote-unquote UFO and alien experts that have said that UFOs are known to hang around nuclear facilities. They, the belief is that they're somehow leeching off of the power or energy source that is there. And you saw that, uh, knowing your background in this, that that didn't necessarily uh, jive. It didn't make sense. Can you give us an explanation of why is that? Why why could they not sit there in a way to siphon off the energy that's available? All right, now your mic's a little too dramatic. I need it swung. I need it in front of the mouth. No. I just don't need it in the mouth. All right, there okay. we go. Yeah, so, you know, when I hear stuff like that, I always, like, kind of question, like, well, how would it go about that kind of thing? You know, and I've heard this theory quite a bit, um, and I thought about it. I, I was uh, in the Navy, um, nuclear power electrician. So, you know, I have sure, some right? decent – yeah, no problem. And um, I have some decent knowledge of, uh, you know, how a reactor works in a plant. And I thought about it. And basically all it is is a hot rock, pass water through it, make the water hot, make steam. You know, that's really all it is. And inside the reactor, really, it's just a bunch of neutrons and gamma. That's the biggest things. And that would presumably be 
the product that an UFO would be trying to leech off of for power. But the thing about it is that, you know, around these reactors, you have like three feet of water to stop the neutron radiation. You have like, you know, it's going to vary depending on the reactor, but uh, concrete, steel, and then lead for the gamma. It, it pretty much blocks everything. And, um, you know, I was doing some research right before the show, you know, the Palo Verde plant, the largest nuclear power plant in the United States, um, just uh, to kind of back up what I'm saying and to see the radiation levels there. And one meter above the ground at Palo Verde, the radiation was negligible compared to background. So I was thinking about it and I'm like, well, if a UFO's up there, there's not, it can't get anything from the power plant. You know, you, you would actually get more energy being out in space from the sun than you would from around any nuclear power plant. And, you know, and, and if it were to somehow transport it from inside the reactor compartment, you know, it would it'd be noticed at the power plant, you know, and they're, if they're leaching the, the neutron population, reactor power is going to go down. You know, and the, the gammas, I mean, like, you can get that anywhere. So, you know, I kind of thought about it, and I just don't, I don't see that being a viable thing. You right, know, well, Andrew, so, let, let me ask you yeah. this. If, if, and again, not understanding how nuclear power works in the sense, if, if a UFO were able to beam aboard some of the particulates and the energy it needed, there would be a, a, a negligible or noticeable amount that would happen. Um, but by leaching off the gamma or the neutrons, would that then create a danger for the rest? Would it make the rest of it unstable? by pulling from either one of those or maybe systemically through both? Uh, the way we build reactors in the United States, it goes off of what's called a, a negative coefficient. Uh, I can't remember the last part of it, but basically a neutron population is controlled by temperature of the water. Um, mm -hmm. When fission occurs, uh, you split the uranium and you know it's like two to three neutrons are shot out. But it's going too fast to create a fission. So you have water as a modulator. The neutrons hit the, the water molecules, slows it down to a speed that another uranium atom can absorb and, and make it split. But by so, taking part of it, would that make the rest it unstable? Would, taking the neutron population down would reduce reactive power because less uranium uh, 235s are being split. So that would be a notice. It wouldn't cause anything with stability, though. There would just be like, well, we're not okay. making as so much steam. Let's pull then, the rods out. So theoretically, then, and again, just going into the into the land of woo for you, Andrew. I know that you're yeah. a science guy, but then theoretically, if there are craft that are able to leach that energy off by beaming or whatever the science is that they're using, um. Th that seems to me like something our government wouldn't tell us that they're doing anyway, right? I mean, you certainly don't want to, oh, yeah, by the way, they're stopping by for a, you know, we're the Conoco on the corner here of, uh, you know, Universe and Vine while uh, the, the aliens are coming through. I, I So I could see how the government would still keep that quiet from us. But with that said, there's also, uh, through satellite photographs and other imagery, you would think that over Fukushima or Chernobyl, where there is an active leak, you would have seen all the UFOs show up and just start pulling from that energy. Uh, or do you think that, that that base energy might be something that would be too impactful to a craft that's trying to hover above it? See, I would think that would be too impactful. I mean, you just have to sit 
at, well, go to Mercury, for instance. You know, you don't have to be that far away from the sun to be blasted by radiation tens of thousands of times more powerful than anything you'd find here on Earth. So I just wouldn't see it being a likely destination for a craft trying to get energy. Really, well, I don't the- see it. I love the way you add in the science on it. For those of you that don't know, there's an episode of Ghost Adventures, and Brian, you'll like this, that we get called to this location. I'd actually interviewed the gentleman that owned the ranch. He's recently passed away. Um, and there were there were claims of uh, uh, portals on the property, cryptid creatures, poltergeist activity, alien abductions, and sexual molestation by aliens of his wife. He would come in and find her hovering above the bed and and experiments being taken. Then they had sighted lights above the mountains, um, these mother uh, ships. So during the investigation, the, the domicile was a little too small to have all of us. So Zach said, well, you've said you wanted to be abducted. What if we put you up on the mountain? So I went up on the mountain by myself oh, and no. uh, turned over my telephone and my my walkie-talkie. And I said, are you crazy? Why would you? You're going to be up here alone. I'm like, yeah, man, if they're smart enough to make it all the way here, they're going to know if I can call for help. Yeah. I'm just going to be here on my own. And, you know, it was great because all the fans are like, Schrader's got balls of steel. He's tougher than those guys. I'm like, let's let's rethink this. In the house, there's portals, there's cryptids, there's rapey ghosts and demons and aliens. Up on the hill, they saw some lights. I'm pretty much in the safest place for all of this to take place. But, um, you know, we're talking over theories, popular theories and things that are are bandied out there. And really, we talk about them without the, the science to back up. And, and I really appreciate, Andrew, that you wrote in about this. Now, you also had an, an interesting uh, bit I wanted you to mention. Uh, I'll read a little bit of it here, and Brian will let you absorb this. Um, he goes, you don't have to entertain the following, but it would mean a lot to hear what your thoughts are on this. I'm a believer in the technological singularity. And around the year 2050, plus or minus five years, it'll strike. And this is just based on historical graphing of computer intelligence over time since the emergence of digital computing. It's an exponential curve. And when drawn out predictively, it is a line going straight up around that year. It also predicts our computers will be as intelligent as humans sometimes here soon. And sometimes in the 2040 area, it'll be as intelligent as all humans combined. 2040, that's not that far off. So when the technological singularity occurs, it is implied that at the moment, the computer is infinitely more intelligent than it was the previous moment. This would lead to something entirely unimaginable and unpredictable. I can totally see that once we have a computer that is infinitely intelligent, all questions will be answerable. We will all probably transition to some sort of immortality by transcending this realm of existence. Now, if this were to happen to the civilization on Earth, then sure, this would also occur on other planets. What if civilizations all reach a technological singularity? With an infinitely intelligent computer, you don't need UFOs, space travel, or even need to study anything anymore. What if that is the natural trend in the universe? What if no civilizations ever spread past their home planet? What if they all reach the technological singularity and leave those three spatial dimensions? Now, where does that leave us with UFOs? If they aren't extraterrestrials because they don't come here, then they must be something based on Earth or an unknown natural phenomenon. Way to think outside the box, Andrew. Holy cow. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm lost in my head a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, wow. Uh, first of all, Brian, do you have any thoughts on, I mean, that's that's a pretty interesting bite of, of data and information to absorb. 
Well, I mean, there's so much there. I don't even know where to start. Uh, but getting back to what you think might be happening with UFOs around or their interest in, in nuclear bases or nuclear weapons, maybe it's just their way of monitoring, not really pulling power from them, but monitoring our progress of, of having such a weapon. And maybe maybe um, the, the, the stuff I researched is the way the nuclear fusion works in our bombs is maybe similar to their propulsion in a way. It's a self-containing reactor system going on. Some people say it has to do with the spinning mercury and mercury achieving anti-gravity through electromagnetic um, manipulation and creating that soft spot in between and allowing anti-gravity to take place. Maybe they're kind of mapping um, our, our progress in our advancement toward that because maybe that's the next step from not just creating this crazy weapon we've created, but nuclear fusion also would have something to do with anti-gravity and also time travel at that point because once you do Tesla prove that once you do crack that code and you do achieve that electromagnetic cocoon that it can sit in, there is anti-gravity and then you're going through space and time as well. So maybe they're just trying to map our progress through that, maybe not pulling power from it, but but also seeing, you know, judging how we're going to misuse the technology they've already figured out. I don't know. No, definitely. Those are all good thoughts. Yeah, no, um, I don't know. Uh, to build off of that, uh, let's see. Oh, I had a thought going somewhere. Um, <laughs> it's hard to, hard to keep them all in order when you've got this. Yeah, no, going. no, definitely. Well, I liked, I wanted to bounce back to the singularity aspect of it. Okay, interesting. Okay. We've all talked about this, the concept of AI becoming sentient and, and it becoming kind of, would it become our overlord? Would we need the ability to traverse the universe or other places? I think we've proven we've hit, we've hit plateaus before. I don't think that that would necessarily stop our want and desire to explore beyond. It's one thing to hear about it, right? For Brian DeTillo to sit on the show and say, I was abducted by an alien. I was taken aboard the craft. I was shown my, my, uh, what I believe to be my hybridized children. And I was returned. People are like, God, that's amazing. What a liar. What a freak show. This guy's full of baloney because they want to see it themselves. Not so much that they even think he's full of baloney or he's a liar or a freak show. It's because the concept is so huge that we our brains cannot process the probability or possibility that this could even happen and then for those of us that are more open to the concept and and the idea that there's something else going on whether it's interdimensional or extraterrestrial in origin you know still remains to be seen um or as brian even touched on perhaps even time travel maybe there's maybe it's us coming back to examine our real history, because all we know of history at this point is what the winners tell us. And that's all. And I've learned that from doing the, the Holzer files and, uh, you know, ghosts of devil's perch. Most of what we celebrate and know is only from the people that made it to the top to share that story. And we forget about all the bones and, and, uh, bodies that were stepped on to get to that point. Um, so to come back, it's interesting that UFOs have been cited over, um, uh, the towers just prior to 9-11 attack that they were sighted in the skies over um, uh, uh, Vatican City, which is, I, I can't remember the, the title, but it's private airspace you can't access. And while they were showing it on, it was like a MSNBC or CNN, a craft was hovering when they released the gray smoke to alert us to the new 
Pope. Um, so there, there have been these instrumental moments in history where UFOs seem to either be there right before, during, or after. So it'd be interesting if maybe they are there as a way to try to figure out our history and give us a real look in the future of what we truly did and where we came from. So just a concept, but then going to the point of the singularity and, and the want and desire to move past even that acknowledgement, it kind of almost lends to your belief on, on that happening on other planets, because it seems like we are moving past a three-dimensional universe at that point, because Brian saw figures outside his window hovering that came through the window's glass and, and right through his aquarium like ghostly forms and then transmuted into a physical form. That means that the singularity may have taught us how to achieve these principles and abilities um, elsewhere, right? That on another planet or in our own future, we've hit that and now we're, we're traveling back. It's There's just so many different elements of this that I find uh, interesting. But, and again, I love that you're trying to bring science into this realm of discovery. Does that open you up to the concept that maybe then what you are talking about proves that if there is life elsewhere, that's already hit that singularity, they would, why wouldn't they come here to see it for themselves? Not just take the word of somebody on alien podcast, you know, network on their planet talking about, you aren't going to believe this, but I've seen a human, right? They're going to come here because <laughs> they want to see the human. Right. No, definitely. Um, well, you know, technically, you know, if you have an infinitely intelligent computer, you know, you, you probably wouldn't even have to come here personally to see it. You know what I mean? Like, if you have an infinitely smart computer, then you could probably build a machine that would know the position and velocity of every particle in the universe. And then by tracking that, you can predict all future events. You can see all past events, you know, assuming that the universe is only composed of energy and particles. Sure. You know, you could, you could trace back the particle interaction and determine all facts of history and determine where our future will lead us to. Almost kind of takes away free will. Right. But uh, here's another sense to consider, though. You know what it's like to be a child, to grow up, to have relationships, to see relationships fall apart, to be betrayed by friends. But yet you watch Days of Our Lives. <laughs> right. Yep. Why? Because you want to see it through other perspectives. You don't want just your own experience. You want to see things that are, you know, in, and I don't mean that as a dismissive nature to you, <laughs> Brian, or to you, Andrew. I'm, I'm just saying that you have experiences, but yet you want to see experiences. Listen, I know koala bears exist. I know kangaroos exist. But when I went to Australia to do a paranormal conference, as soon as I could get out of that building and get to a zoo to see them, there in person it was a totally different environment for me it was an emotional environment to go and see and hold these creatures in their natural element uh zoos are not a natural element dave schrader i understand that but i mean to be in australia to have uh -huh. these creatures that were roaming free in this uh this area were amazing to me um so i think i i get what you're saying why would we but i think that's what makes us who we are is our constant need to explore beyond what we know or think we know and even if this computer is the smartest thing in the world, there are going to be those of us that are going to question what it's telling us. No, definitely. Right? Yeah. So we, because technology advances doesn't mean we advance. Our, our atmosphere can advance, but who we are still, I think, will be stunted for quite a while till we learn to, to build beyond that, that consciousness. Brian, please. 
I think Andrew, you're right. Definitely, if if there's a higher computer conscious, uh, higher computer conscious that that is that we're running into, it wouldn't have to come here itself. It would definitely send like a drone type to do its work to record everything. You know, maybe that's what these synthetic grays are. You know, silicone based being the only major difference. It being synthetic, maybe it was created to be that thing that can report back to that mainframe, you know, send its troops in, get its information, whether it be physical or, or, or other information it would need and, and make sure it, it retrieves it as it's happening. So maybe it sends these, 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 these grays to kind of tap into us in a way that it wants to, you know, without having to, like you said, it's, you know, it's so smart. It doesn't need to do the dirty work. It has some, somebody doing that for them. So maybe that's what these things are. Building off and you can, frame. Um, you can listen to Bruce Springsteen live 1985 album, but until you've been <laughs> in the concert to see it and witness it and hear it and see the camaraderie of the people, I think even synthetic life forms as they evolve would want to experience the full relevance of what it means to be living, to be life to to experience those brief moments in between you you talked about the particles and and the energy in between that's what we are we're that moment in between and that's what i think is a, a learning thing for all life forms maybe i'm wrong I like no that. definitely and um one thing that i've always had in my mind you know it's you should always be wary of theories of the paranormal that sound too human Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, they, it, 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 you just have to be wary of things like that, you know, because I don't think the final nature of these questions is going to be something that we probably even thought of yet, or is too complex for us to understand, or you know, or or it could be exactly like we say in our books and TV shows and stuff. So, you know, See, just, that that brings up an amazing point that we can almost go out on. And first of all, Andrew, I want to thank you so much for the intelligence you brought to this, the insight and giving us a real answer as to why this probably is not what's going on. So now when people pontificate of, Oh, well, they're probably leeching out. You can probably give them a really good solid answer of why this isn't happening. And if it was happening, why aren't they doing it over Chernobyl or one of the other power plants that seems to be giving it up freely? I've bummed a lot of people out. No, I love the thought. I, we, we, we have to keep asking. We have to keep pushing and going beyond. So I think that's, that's absolutely phenomenal. And don't, don't quit what you do on that. But it's interesting. We've, we've hit this point in our history, gentlemen, where when we see a photograph of Bigfoot or, or UFOs, the first complaint is, it's too blurry. I can't even tell what it is. There's no detail to it. And then when you get a clear picture of a UFO or a clear picture of a Bigfoot, well, that's obviously fake. Look at how clear it is. And then somebody in a costume or somebody's digitally altered that photograph. We are never satisfied with what is the evidence in front of us, right? So you're, you're right. You could put out theories that if they sound too human are probably faulty, but then the theories that are beyond that realm, people are going to question because it doesn't sound probable or possible because of our limited scope of thinking. So we're in this strange conundrum where to believe it does take a leap of faith. It takes a leap to want to see and believe that there's more going on than just getting up, shaving, going to work, paying the bills, going to sleep, waking up and doing it again tomorrow, right? That's what keeps (laughs) me alive and fascinated with this field is that there is more, there's magic and we just have to be open to it. Definitely. And um, yeah. And uh, I wanted to add one little thing. Uh, Sure. 
the other thing to be careful about, you know, is that everything you experience in your life, your reality is entirely generated in your mind. So, you know, like, and then I come to the point, like what evidence do I count as reasonable to have actually, you know, occurred in the universe without it having been generated in my, my reality, because my, the brain just makes an image based on outside stimuli and internal experiences. What are you talking so, about? You know, outside stimuli? I don't know. There's <laughs> you know, like, people oh, like, uh, see what they want to see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if, if I were to see an alien or a ghost, I would not 100% believe that I actually saw it. No, I would right. say, you know, it could be like 99%, but there's always that doubt that, Andrew, it was generated every, inside. Well, that's the thing. When, episode, you see, yeah. when you see things like this, the first thing you doubt is yourself, your vision. Oh, I didn't really see that. And then when it happens again, back to back, you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you always have to fight that voice inside you that says, I didn't see anything. That's not real. That, that wouldn't yeah. be real because it doesn't fit my perception of what sh- should be real. But once it happens again, you're like, I, I swore I saw it that time. And so then you're really like battling with yourself and your own yeah. reality because your reality doesn't hold it well. So I do like, I hear you. I've almost, I've driven myself crazy over this stuff. So yeah, it's, no, I bet it's overwhelming at times. Cause you're like, wait a minute, I'd rather it not be. So then you don't even think about it and justify it as it never happening, which is the worst thing you can do. <laughs> I know. So no, weird. exactly. Andrew, keep thinking outside the box or in the box okay. and bring it to us and listen to the podcast. And if there's other points that we bring up that you think you've got another scientific aspect of, we'll give you a science time with Andrew Wheatley and we'll give you a, a spot to come on for five, 10 minutes every couple of weeks to straighten our asses up and give us some okay, insights definitely. into the reality. But thank you so much. Of info. Awesome. Well, yeah. hey, again, thank you for serving and thank you for uh, reaching out today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no Thanks, problem. Andrew. Thanks, man. And uh, can I say one thing? Before we go, yeah. mm-hmm. if uh, Zach Baggins is watching this right now, Amanda McGrath says she loves you. She's my wife. And she, yeah, no, we love to. She loves you. <laughs> we watch Ghost Adventures on rerun every, it's just on TV every night. It's actually on right now. Andrew, you should probably try watching the Holzer Files or. Uh, no, no, I did. I did check Devil's it out. Church. Oh, better. But I see your yeah. wife's not in love with me. Whatever. Fine, Andrew. I don't need that abuse. <laughs> I'm kidding. Thanks a lot, Andrew. I appreciate it. And give your love to my, your wife, even though she's not sending it to me. Hey, Brian, uh, thanks again for popping on here, man. I know you didn't have to do this. Conspiracies Inc. with Brian DeTillo is the uh, uh, podcast. You are on break from season one. You're going to be bringing a new season here, hopefully after the holidays. You said you're going to tap in with all yeah. new stories yeah. and and aspects awesome yeah you're gonna uh, help me out too you're gonna help me out and oh, you're gonna be you on. got it brother you're gonna and be whenever on, you need so. me buddy you just reach out to me and let me know and next Go time on. i'm out in california i think we need to connect and uh, sky watch together and see what we can Lunch find is on me dinner's on i me. appreciate it sounds right, good man. sir thank you Thanks, brian detillo we have links for brian on tonight's podcast information so you can find it right there whatever your beliefs may be there is something strange going on in the skies above us spies, alien intruders, maybe glitches in the matrix. But whatever lies beyond our current sense of reality, we can't live in a place of fear. We're strong people. We do not give ourselves, I think, enough credit. Focus your intentions towards something greater, something bigger, broader, and filled with hope. That's the net we need to cast toward the heavens in hopes of drawing positive back. 
let them, whoever they may be, know that whoever is listening, we're ready. And the time is now. And we may be surprised to find that the visitors may be closer to us than we expect and may be us in some form. I'd like to thank our guests, Brian Dottillo. Again, you can follow him and his work at the links we provided on today's program guide. Thanks to Navy veteran Andrew Wheatley for your service and your willingness to join us today to help us understand some facts regarding claims of alien visitations. And thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60, allowing me along on your journey. And may the darkness be just a little more light with the information that we share here. The skies burn bright with possibilities of future civilizations, alien visitors, friends, and foes, and endless dreams of all who cast their eyes heaven-bound and make a wish upon a falling star. Whatever is out there, I pray it's benevolent and its intentions are pure, and that they bring a willingness to help our planet and her people. Make sure to like this video and podcast, subscribe, and tell everyone you know about it, and for our new podcast listeners, welcome to the family, my little darklings. We are here every Monday with brand new episodes, and every Friday you can tune in and check out our Paranormal Newscast with the Paranormal 60 News crew. We'll be back again this Friday with news and next week with more of the best in interviews on the best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Uh-huh.